you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. That's the question, right? How do we make the world better? Nobody argues that the world has its challenges today. The question that's in play is, how do we make the world a better place? Who can make the world a better place? We started this Bible study uh, on the heels of, of Easter, and the whole story of Easter is Jesus said he came to make the world better. And then he left his Holy Spirit, who lives in us, to guide us and direct us, And uh, on the screen, Galatians 5 and 22, the Bible says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. This list of attributes, characteristics that we would all agree and say, yeah, if the world had more love, it would be better. More joy, more, more peace, it would be better. But here's the pressure is just before verse 22, we find verse 19, 20, and 21. Notice again on the big Bible on the screen. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality. Now, before I read any farther, today we're going to talk about the word peace. I want you to think how these words stand in opposition to peace. How they can steal and rob us from having peace. The acts of the flesh, the world system that you and I live in, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Debauchery is a word for all kinds of evil. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, all stand in opposition of peace. Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, the Apostle Paul says, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So this morning, how do we have peace in a world that just seems so chaotic? If you got your Bible, join me in 1 Samuel chapter 25. Uh, 1 Samuel 25, it's a story that might be new to many of us uh, in our gathering today or joining us on, online. But the idea of peace, you, you know, there are some bandits that rob us, steal us of our, of our peace. Some, it's just guilt, right? We're guilty. We feel guilty because of something we said or we did back in the past. And so today, we have a hard time having peace because of something we did, right? Or it could be just grief. You've gone through something that you're not sure, how do I process this? It happened, it's real, and it hurt, and you just, the peace has evaporated. It could be a grudge. That thing that's, man, it hurts you, and now you see that person at work, or maybe it's your ex, or it's a neighbor. But another bandit that we might overlook is good intentions, What do I mean by that? I I think many of us, right? We see somebody who's struggling. They're discouraged. They don't have peace, right? Something's going on. They get a bad medical report. They lose their job. Somebody has said something that's negative, derogatory against them racially. There's something, you could just tell that, that like 
they're really discouraged. They don't have peace. They're single and they want to get married, right? Or they want their marriage to get better. They want something better. And we'll say things like this, oh, don't worry about it. Everything's going to work out. Don't worry, you're going to be fine. Hey, hey, your kids, I know right now that they're struggling with, with drugs, but they're, they're going to get off. It's, everything's going to be, be fine. And we have real, listen, I understand, right? We have good intentions. We want them to have peace. That, hey, everything's going to work out. You're going to recover from this. But here's the truth. None of us knows. I, I, I don't know that the person who's single will ever meet Mrs. Wright or Mr. Wright. I don't know the person who's, son or daughter struggles with a controlled substance that they'll get off of that controlled substance i don't people mark the direction of the country and how the usa right you I mean oh don't it'll all get it off we we don't know but hear me and jason alluded to it following jesus being a christ follower it's messy Somewhere along the way, we, we kind of bought in this idea that if, if we would dot all of our spiritual I's and cross our religious T's, that somehow that God owed us something and our marriage would be perfect or our kids wouldn't get caught up in, in that, that somehow this hallmark moment would become the storyline of my, my life. Following Jesus at times can feel very unfair and very unjust and a minor chord in the melody of the American dream. You see, peace is not the absence of problems. Peace isn't having circumstances to be exactly how I want it to be. Peace isn't having a, an affluent lifestyle. It's not a certain politician uh, winning. Peace is not an exemption from trouble. Jesus Christ said just the opposite. He said, in this world, you're going to have problems and pressures and trials and trauma. Peace isn't American, European, African, Asian, or Latin. Peace isn't science, a vaccine, a mask, social media, or social distancing. Peace is not a gender, the Green New Deal, or the greener grass at your neighbor's house. Peace is the confidence that in the trauma that you face, God is still God. That's peace. Peace is not a political party. Peace is not a, a certain address or square foot in a house. It's not a certain degree. It's not your kids behaving in a certain way. Peace at its core is the confidence that in the trouble, in the trauma, in the chaos, God is still God. And that the presence of God will win the day. And we find that in 1 Samuel 25. Little backstory, some characters, maybe you're familiar with them, maybe not so much. David, Nabal, and Abigail. David, you know him as the shepherd boy. You know him as the guy who kills Goliath. You know that he arises to become the king of Israel. For some season, he had been being chased down, hunted down, to be killed by Saul. He has been living, looking over his shoulder. But Saul is now dead, and he has risen to the place of the palace, and he's the king. There's another character in this story. His name is Nabal. 
Nabal is a very affluent, rich, ignorant man. Sort of, if you think about the Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life, it's Mr. Potter. Just think that he's large and in charge. He's all that in a bag of chips. He's got it all going on. And then we have Nabal's wife, and her name is Abigail. And the Bible says about Abigail is she was intelligent, and she's beautiful. In those days, understand that in the, in the wilderness area, there were no publics. Are you okay with that? There's no Wawa's or Jiffy Mart's that if you're, you know, got hungry, you pull over and you got something to eat. There's no restaurants. And so David's men are out in the field and he had heard that Nabal and his tribe, they were in a festival season. They were shearing the sheep. In other words, they came to the time where they're about to make some money. Show me the money, right? They're shearing the sheep and they're gonna sell the wool. So David makes a request. He's about to ask Nabal to be kind and generous to his men the same way that David's men were kind and generous towards Nabal's men when they protected the herd of sheep from raiders. Now pick up the story in verse number five. Here's what it says, God's word. So he, David, sent 10 young men and said to them, go up to Nabal at Carmel, and greet him in my name. Say to him, long live life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. He's being respectful. He's being hospitable. Now I hear that it is a sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them, and the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Go ahead, ask your own servants. And they'll tell you. Therefore, be favorable towards my men. Since we come at festive time, please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. Then they waited. Verse 10. Nabal answered David's servants. Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and my water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where? And now before we go any farther, a couple thoughts. Don't you know how you respond to somebody is everything. It's not always what you say, it's how you say it. David approaches, and it's, it's respect, and it's kindness. He's, he's asking, Nabal, and this is so important for us, when you're communicating, always before you say what you're about to say, before you're about to post what you're about to post, before you're about to, to forward what you, someone sent to you, just ask yourself this question. It, 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 will, it will save you a lot of heartache. Is it true? Is this true, David? Is it, I, mean, I mean, Nabal, is it true that David is an escaped slave? Of course it's not true. Another question to ask yourself is this. Hey, does this need to be said? Do I actually need to say what I'm about to say right now? And if it needs to be said, do I need to say it now? Sometimes just kind of a, a pause 
will take the communication to a whole nother level. But at the end, at least be respectful. You don't have to lie. You don't have to have flattery. But Nabal, he's arrogant. And he stirs it all up. And knows what happens in verse 12. David's men turned around and went back. And when they arrived, they reported every word. David said to his men, Each of you strap on your sword. So they did. And David strapped on his as well. About 400 men went up with David, and while 200 stayed with their supplies. He's about to go John Wick on Nabal. He's about, it's about to go crazy right now. You said, what about me? What did you say about my kids? What did that coach say? What did that teacher, oh my, what, what got posted? Look at right here, it said, look, look at this, that text, that email, and that sense, what, what that news reporter said, what that politician voted for, and you begin to see peace is gone. David strapped on a sword, and they're going, and they're going to find Nabal, and they're going to find his whole household, and he's going to take them out. Fortunately, a servant of Nabal goes back to the village, and he finds Abigail, and he tells Abigail everything. Your husband's at it again. He's out there spouting off his mouth. He's out there saying stuff, and it's going crazy. It's going crazy. You, you see, we got two guys, Nabal, and we've got David. We've got testosterone colliding. Both have big-time egos. And you know what eagle stands for? Edging God out. <laughs> How many ladies know a lot of us guys do that all the time, right? Ego, edging God out. And nothing good happens when you edge God out. So she begins to think, and she said, I, 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 I've got to get involved. I've got to do something. And so pick up the story in verse number 20. As she, that's Abigail, came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, there was David and his men descending towards her, and she met them. The courage that she had. David had just said, now listen, David had just made this vow. Can you not see this kind of in a Braveheart movie? That, that, that moment in, in time when it's kind of, this is the line in the sand. Listen to what David said in verse 21. It's been useless, all my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness, so that nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David be it ever so severely. If by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. David is mad. There ain't no peace in these parts right now. In verse 23, when Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my Lord. Let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please. <laughs> no, lady, ladies, do not, do not nudge the man sitting next to you right now. Please pay no attention to my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He's just like his name. His name means fool. And folly goes with him. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the, the, the men my Lord sent. What is she doing? What's going on? I, I want to give you a word right here that normally you embrace it in the, in the negative sense. 
I want to give it to you because I think it will stick with you. Because we live in a world, nobody would argue that, that, that peace has evaporated from the marketplace. That peace has evaporated from our news. We get it. The question that's in play is how do we make the world better? How do we make the world better? How do we get some peace? And here's what we got to do. Somebody has to decide to stand up and step out and instigate peace. Now, see, that's what she's doing. Now, normally, the word instigate, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you, got, you can see their face right now in your mind because all of us in our family have an instigator. You know what I'm talking about? I, I, I'm a little hesitant saying this out loud because I'm online right now, and this will be archived for people to see, but I have two, I have, I have two sister-in-laws. Now, I'm not going to use their name, nor am I going to mention to one, but maybe one of them has a propensity to be an instigator. They know how to stir it up. They know how to change the holiday conversation. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, all right, right, okay, you got it, right, 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 okay, you got it. Right. So we know it in its negative context, but understand the word is a good word because the word means to bring about. It means to create change in behavior. That's what she's about to do. She's about to instigate peace. There's no peace with Nabal. There's no peace with David. These two men, I mean, David, he's got his sword on and he's about to take them all out. And she instigates peace. She doesn't run from the situation. She runs towards the conflict. She's not paralyzed by the fear. She doesn't get on her cell phone and start texting all of her girlfriends, can you believe it, my man? You're doing this and doing that. She doesn't, she doesn't create a TikTok to kind of put him, no Instagram, no social media. She puts her energy into a solution. Now understand this. Conflict is inevitable. Peace is optional. In your marriage, conflict is inevitable. In the workplace, conflict is inevitable. In your neighborhood, conflict is inevitable. In a church, conflict is inevitable. Peace is optional. And Abigail is instigating peace. Notice what Psalms 34 and 14 says. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Imagine how our whole culture changes if just uh, as Christ followers, if we decide that we're going to step out in our everyday ordinary lives no matter what's said, no matter how unjust, how unfair, what's wrong. I can't believe, look what they, this is so wrong. How will you, we know what the problem is, what we need is a solution, and Abigail models the solution. She instigates peace. Why? First Corinthians chapter 14, here's what the Bible says about our God. God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. The God that we sing to, the God that we read about in his word, the God that we dedicate these two beautiful children to is a God of peace. In Romans 12 and 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And not everybody will be at peace with me. <laughs> but the Bible says, as far as it depends on you, 
you be at peace with everyone. You know, peace is like the morning dew. The longer you wait, exposing the heat, it begins to evaporate. And Abigail understands there is a sense of urgency. Matter of fact, four times through 1 Samuel 25, you see her acting quickly. When she first heard the word, she quickly began to bake. Hello, she baked 200 loaves of bread. She wasn't afraid of carbs. She understood. A a hundred cakes. She understood. Listen, I gotta gotta sweeten up old David. He's upset, right? She she acted quickly. I read for you just a moment ago. When she finally saw David, she... The Bible says she got off her donkey quickly. Let me tell you something with peace. You let that thing linger between you and your bride, your husband. That thing linger at work. I've taught you this before. There is no such thing as a big problem in the world. It's a lie. There are no big problems in the world. Big problems are small problems that never were dealt with. And she decided before this thing becomes devastating, I'm going to, I'm going to insert, I'm going to instigate. Go back to your Bible, 1 Samuel 25, look at 32, verse 32. David says to Abigail, (laughs) praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. Now he wasn't saying that a couple minutes ago. A couple minutes ago, he's strapping on his sword. A couple minutes ago, he said, help me, God. If by the end of today, all Nabal and all those men, if they ain't dead, God, you deal severely with me. What changed is a lady named Abigail instigated peace. She helped David pivot from the injustice that was done against him towards the grace that's been given to him by God. You want to talk about changing our culture, changing our society? If we would stop and just pause, and rather than focusing on the injustice, it was, it is unjust what they said. It is wrong. It is, it is not right. But you will never change anything in the world by highlighting the problem. You change when you stand up and you step out and say, I'm going to be a part of the solution. That's what we find Abigail doing. And notice, verse 33, may you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Boy, do you have somebody in your life that can speak truth, slow you down? When that temper is about to cut loose, when you're about to make a rash decision, it's a gift. And notice what happens in 35. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, remember that was all those carbohydrates. He won't say no to that. But here's the peace. Go home in peace. I've heard your words and granted your requests. So how do we? 
On the second day of May in 2021, how do you and I go home in peace? How do you show up at work tomorrow in peace? How do you watch cable news in peace? Well, I can answer that one. Just turn it off. How do you follow what's going on in the world and be in peace? If you've got your number two pencil, let me just give you a couple ideas. It all starts with, and this is not some religious cliche, but if you want to have peace, it starts with you having peace with God. You can reach for all kind of external sources to try to bring peace in your life, but how's that working for you? You can change that spouse for this spouse to that spouse. You can change that job to that job to job, that job. You can change that substance to that substance to that substance. You can move from a 1,200 to a 2,400 to a 3,600 square foot home all the way back to an apartment. All these things that we try to pull in to bring peace to our lives. 1 Samuel 25 and 30. Look what happened. She pivots David's attention back to his relationship with God. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he's promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel. Yes, David, you've gone through all this pain. Yes, David, what Saul did to you was unjust. Yes, my husband Nabal was ignorant and unjust towards you. But remember Remember, David, how God has protected you through all of this. Remember how he took you as a shepherd boy and gave you victory over Goliath. How he took you as a shepherd boy and now you've ascended to the palace. She reminded David that his ultimate peace isn't in what Nabal says about him. It's about who God declares him to be. The Bible says in Romans 5 and 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The peace that's missing. Listen, there's real pain in this room. There's real trauma. There's a lot of misunderstanding. You are confused. You're wondering where, when, how, God. I'm telling you, the peace that you're looking for, it comes not through a test result from a doctor. It does not come through for changing uh, governments. It doesn't come through all the things that we think. It comes solely through your relationship with God. Maybe that's your best next step today. Establish a relationship with God. And when you have peace with God, let me tell you, the, the great gift, it gives you peace in you. You see, the reason that we're angry towards other people ultimately is not because of what they've said or what they've done. We're, we're angry towards other people because inside we're upset with ourselves. Hurting people hurt people. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of God. Look, at, look at, again, verse 31. My Lord, Abigail talking, my Lord will not have on his conscience. She's trying to bring David peace with himself. His conscience, the staggering burden of needless bloodshed of having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord's success, remember your servant. Your, the peace that we're looking for. And hey, 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 I get it. I get it. You were young, and what he did to your little body, and maybe you've kept it private all these years and the hurt and the pain and that that's real pain but listen you are not a victim 
You are not what someone did to you or what someone has said to you. They've looked down upon you because of your gender. They look down on, uh, down on you because of the color of your skin. They have said rude and ignorant and hateful and cruel things. But because they said it doesn't mean that it's true. You get to choose. You do not have to give anybody the authority to declare your identity. That's given to you by God. And you are so valuable to God. He has given you his son, Jesus, as your Savior. It's the peace that's in you. The words of Jesus, he says in John 14, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you to you as the world gives. That's the challenge for a lot of us right now. You're trying to get peace from the world. And your world's really jacked up right now. You're looking at, you're just saying, I don't, I, up is now down and down is now up. Good is now bad and bad is now good. Right, left, left, it makes no sense. And you're screaming at your television and all the things that are going on in the world. Jesus wrote this thousand years ago. He gives us peace, but not the way the world gives you peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Later in John 16, he wrote, I've told you these things. What are these things? He said, guys, they're going to kill me. Guys, they're going to chase you down. Guys, there, there are going to be traumatic, awful, terrible, no good, unjust things that happen in the world. I've told you these things so that in me you have peace. So that in me you have peace. Not in a pastor, but in Jesus you have peace. Not in a spouse, but in Jesus you have peace. Not in a bank account, but in Jesus you have peace. I do not give you as the world. I give you. You have peace. In this world you'll have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Let me fast forward. I'll tell you, you can look at it in your small groups this week. Nabal dies, and it's not from David. You can read it. In, in 1 Samuel 25 on your own. And David was so impressed with Abigail and her character, he marries her. So the question this morning is simply this. Is will you accept the peace that God gives you? Will you accept the peace that's promised by Christ? You can keep looking at all the external for a different job, all the things that we try to, that, you know, whatever. You can keep looking, but how's that working? The question this morning is, will you accept the peace that only comes from Christ? Hear me on this. Peace is not a circumstance. Peace is not this... This circumstance that I prefer, and, I, and as long as I got it kind of how the, peace is not a circumstance, peace is a choice. The trouble's there, the pressure, the trauma, all these issues, but what we learn from God's word is that peace is a choice. Peace is not a circumstance that I prefer. Peace is a person that I believe that no matter what comes against me, no matter what's said, no matter what I go through, that my God is able. He is my hope. He is my dreams. If God be for me, I don't care what comes against me. He is my blessed hope. The question is, will you leave today and accept the peace that Christ gives? Let me tell you, when you accept his peace, you experience his protection. 
And boy, do we need protection. People quote all the time, no weapon shall prosper against me. Yeah, you can't claim that verse if you're trying to get your peace in some external circumstance. You can only claim that verse when you deeply understand the reason no weapon can prosper against you, a weapon is external coming against me. The reason no weapon can prosper coming against me because I've got the peace of God in me. I've got the protection of Almighty God that has surrounded me. I don't care what happens, when it happens, how it happens. It's all about the who that happened in me, and his name is Jesus. And if he can come back from the dead, whatever I'm facing right here and right now, my God is able. Protection's needed world is full of landmines that's why philippians 4 and 6 says do not be anxious about anything let me just pause you got we got a lot of things to be anxious about got a lot of things there there, there, there are a lot of things that are messy there's very little that you can put your finger on and say i know exactly how it's going to turn out here i know exactly this is how it's going to be i'm so confident in this that's not the world in which we live. One of the great things that happened in 2020 in the coronavirus in North America was simply this, is the false facade of us being in control as Americans, it gone. It was a false facade. The greatest gift that anybody would ever have is to have that deep, blessed assurance that Jesus is mine that that song it is well is more than just a lyric it is how we live each and every day that's why paul writes do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by the ways he's writing this from prison by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to god and watch here's the promise and the peace of god which transcends all understanding and the peace of God, which transcends all. He, hear me. I get it. We might want a new piece of legislation to bring equity to a place in our culture. We, we might want somebody to make a, a decision, a politician. We might want a local business. We, we might want somebody to make a new law or a new rule that might makes the world a better place. But you know this to be true. Legislation doesn't change human behavior. That's Jesus. Jesus, when Jesus gets inside of me, he changes me. Not that I behave better. It's now that the fruit of the Spirit is in me, and I don't have to try to find peace out there someplace. I've got the peace of God that lives in me, and the peace of God which transcends. It doesn't make no sense. I should be mad, I should be angry. I should be revengeful. This is wrong. This is an injustice. But this peace, and hear me, lest you walk away and think that somehow, well, Mark, that just kind of sounds like a, you're throwing your hands up in the air and you're like, okay, I'm just apathetic and I, nothing can, I mean, don't you need to make your voice count? Hear me. If, as, as Christ followers, if we'd make our voice count in the heavenlies, you'd see a whole lot more change in the earthly. If we would post how we feel 
to God in our prayers rather than posting in our Facebook and Instagram, you'd begin to see change. It's the peace of God that transcends all understanding. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I've thought about this this past week over you. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 16. May the Lord of peace himself. In other words, God doesn't do peace. He is peace. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace. In every situation, in every circumstance, in every relationship. That's what God has. The question this morning is simply, will will you accept it? Some of you need to accept it for the first time. Maybe you've never begun a relationship with Jesus. Hey, full disclosure. Following Jesus is a decision to say, I can't make my life better. That's the whole story of Jesus. He came and he died for you and he died for me. He paid the penalty of our sin on the cross. And he came back from the dead three days later. And because he came back, we can come back from anything. If you've never begun that relationship with Jesus right here, right now, you don't even have to bow your head and close your eyes. In your heart, in your mind, you can simply say, hey, God, it's me. He knows you. He created you. He knows everything that you've done. Hey, God, it's me. I've been trying to fix my life. I've been trying to create my own peace. But I don't have it. So right here, right now, today, I accept your peace. I accept that you paid the penalty for my sins. I believe that you died and came alive again. And I want you in my life. And to those who have begun that relationship today, I'd like to help you continue to grow. So if you would text the word today to 63566, I'll help you grow beyond today. Here's what I know. You might, you might feel inspired right here, right now, but watch this. You're going to walk off this campus and something's going to happen. You're going to get into your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, and something's going to be unfair and just. Listen, following Jesus is not just a momentary prayer on Sunday. It's a movement. So text that word today to 63566, or you can use the card that's right there at your chair, and uh, just let us know about you. And uh, that today you began following Christ. Maybe you want to uh, follow Christ in baptism. Baptism is telling the whole world, listen, I'm not ashamed of the relationship I have in Jesus. On June 3rd, 1989, I made a decision to say yes to Linda Beth Gibson and no to every other girl. I went public. That's what baptism is. Baptism is just going public, letting the whole world know or growth track and you picked a good day to be here today maybe you're already signed up glad i'm glad you're gonna be a part of growth track if you're not um we've got some snacks back there for you we got your kids covered and growth track is about you growing into who god created you to be moving from just knowing about god to knowing god personally to understand that, listen, I'm free. I don't have to be all caught up in what someone says or what something was done against me. That, hey, I have been created by God, for God, on purpose. I'm not some random, you know, biological thing that happened on a Friday night between a man and a woman. And that God created me to go out and to make a difference. And so that's going to happen right after uh, my, closing, my closing prayer. And love for you to be here and be a part of that. All right, I don't have to give you a lot of homework. You know why? Because there's not a lot of peace out there. (laughs) 
You're going to get on 200. You're going to get somewhere. Someone's going to get, you know. We were driving the other day, and, and, and Linda didn't notice. I said, that person just said, I'm number one. <laughs> they just said, I'm the number one guy on the road. And I want you to know, I resisted. I didn't tell him he was number one back. <laughs> At least on that time. <laughs> it's going to happen. You get, you, let me tell you, you're, you're, you're going to get opportunity. And my prayer is that you will understand that peace is a choice that you make. Well, hear, hear me. I love you. I'm your friend. My name's Mark. But if you don't have peace... And I'll say Mark too. If Mark doesn't have peace, the only reason I don't have peace, the only reason you don't have peace is because you chose not to. Biden can't take your peace. Your boss can't take your peace. Your neighbor whose dog, for whatever reason, only poops in your yard, can't take your peace. Your spouse, right? I get you understands. <laughs> right? Nobody can take your peace unless you choose to. And I'm going to just stay ornery enough, long enough. I'm not letting no one take my peace. Father in heaven, I love you. And I pray over this gathering, precious men and women, here on this campus and online, that you, the God of all peace, would grant them peace in every way, in every relationship, in every circumstance. The Holy Spirit, you will fill each one of us, starting with me, from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes, with that blessed assurance that no matter what's happening around us, we can have peace with God in us through Jesus. May the world become better this week as a gathering of men and women, boys and girls step out into Ocala, Florida, Marion County, and wherever people are watching online and choose peace. I sure do love you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Peace.